This is called Bitch Out of Luck. It's about a dog who's unwell. You should put that dog down. to this show. Yes, the whole hello, 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 and welcome to blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that one. Yes. And you're not, well, you just done it. So that's, you know, you kind of did, you know, you kind of did it, right? I mean, the show isn't called blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, okay, the so. The theme isn't blah, blah, blah. Well, we may be feeling a bit blah. The theme is, uh, sigh, sigh of the times. Oh, yeah. As in, uh, of the times. You're not having a good time lately, are you, Dookie? No, and on the most recent Dookie radio show, poor Sylvia wasn't doing very well, so it's just been a bit of a funky month for everyone concerned. Are you okay, Marsha? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Sylv, how are you? Well, it's so funny because I've been having a bit of a glum time too. And it's so funny too because I think we should mention that it's been... A little bit longer than normal between our podcasts going up. And it's because we actually started a podcast yesterday and we deleted it. We had an aborted attempt, didn't we? It's the first aborted Dookie radio show in the history of this program. Because we just... Podcast. Yeah, the three of show. us. We, we were just not feeling it. No. And we just, you know, I think the listeners just... I would just like to tell the listeners that that's just... The standards, we don't want to put something out that is of a low standard. So that's why this show is called Sigh of the Times, because we're all feeling quite glum lately. And it's just, so why not talk about that? Dookie, you've got a whole litany of things that are just not going well for you, are they? I'm feeling decidedly glummy voiced rather than plummy voiced today. Oh, Dookie, I'm so sorry. Do you want to, do you want to pay tribute to your man from the 12 bar, because that was very sad, and I think he needs a tribute paid to him. There have been two recent losses in the extended Dukey radio show family, uh, namely and in no order whatsoever, Pat Dolan from the 12 bar, who was the doorman there, and a man who provided many, many laughs and in an occupation where you normally do not associate fun and laughter with, he was just a really, really good guy. We used to have really long-standing chats about cologne. He wore Millennium and always smelled lovely. And he was just a really, really, really good guy, full of life, quite an intimidating figure. He would always give me huge bear hugs and was anything but intimidating. I suppose when I say intimidating, he was just an imposing figure. He looked like the type of person that could easily cause mischief with his mere pinky. And he looked 
look like a dookie. He looked like he could kick your ass. Absolutely. But let's face it. That doesn't say much. But, you know, because, you you know, you're not Floyd Mayweather, are you? No, no. But, you know, he was a big guy. He was a big guy and had a big personality and a big heart. There's just so many things I've been remembering about him. Small things like whenever I would be on my way outside the doors of the venue at stupid a.m., 3.30 a.m., 4 o'clock or whatever, and he'd make some comment about the gig. All right, mate, I think you just about got away with that one. Or, ooh, bit of a shit crowd, but you turned them around. And when it came time for, for him to do the big bar clear out, he used to have a, a phrase that I'll remember, which is, leave your glasses and move your asses. And then he'd point to me and said, you can still hang around for a bit, don't worry, but don't tell anyone else. I He's- don't want anyone to think I'm a softie. Is, is he Irene's husband? <laughs> In a way, yes. Now, he sounds a lot like Irene's husband. And then you had an, another set of sad news, didn't you, Dookie? A couple of weeks before, uh, I think it, this particular one was so emotional that I've it's been difficult to even uh, talk about it. Uh, there's a, a band who featured in part on the Dookie radio show in the early days when we were at... Croydon Radio, I think it was our third ever show, Craig Bresnan from the band We Buy Gold. He was the the singer of the group and a band who Top Buzzer played with many, many times and also an earlier incarnation of Top Buzzer called Buck Brothers also share the stage with. And uh, Craig was a a guest on the Dookie Radio show and alongside drummer Sebastian and again, a a larger-than-life figure a very amusing person, a great lover of big cats, and one of the few people who could be equally as excited about dance music as he could punk. Dookie, Mm. you said big cats. Yes. You showed me a picture of his kitty. Mm. That's the biggest kitty ever. He really, really wanted me to get one. Every couple of months he would send a message along the lines of have you got one yet I, I, I know somebody who can get you one but this isn't a normal pet cat this is a big big pussy cat it's known by a couple of different names but basically this is the cat which he owned that he had in his family is at least in the uk the largest domestic cat that you can own legally I suppose... It's a big fluffy kitty. Yeah. Standing upright, it could rest its front paws very comfortably on Craig's shoulders. a very big pussy. A huge pussy. And uh, anyway, Craig uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago now. And... Oh dear, Dookie. To make matters slightly more emotional, the band have asked me to fill in on vocals at their next gig, which is on the 24th of May, which Top Buzzer... My own band are also on the bill with. And that gig will now be the We Buy Gold send-off. So I've been listening to loads and loads of of Craig's vocals from We Buy Gold and learning them and going through all of the lyrics. And it's been a little difficult for me, to say the least. Oh, Dookie, that's very sad. And then you have somebody in your family who's not very well. (laughs) 
Yes. So we're just running through the whole list. And and your day job is not everything that a day job should be cracked up to be. And just so you know, my day job is not here at the Dookie Radio Show. There's something else. Dookie, that's just, nobody needs that kind of day job where you're just sitting in front of a computer all day when they're as sparkly and bubbly as you. Thank you. Yeah, you need to, you need to do something about that, Dookie. And Sylv, you didn't. You're you're kind of glum. I actually went to work one day because I do work with groups of people. And I had a group of people who so did not want to be there that one of them actually leaned over to me and said, don't take this the wrong way, Sylv, but we are all actively resenting your presence. Oh, dear. So that didn't make me very feel very good. Oh, no. But, no. Sylvia, you're wonderful. Yeah, that's very sweet. And, you know, it's hard not to take that personally. And, you know, whenever somebody prefaces something with don't take this personally or don't take this the wrong way, that you know that it's not going to be you're so wonderful. You know, nobody's Indeed. ever going to say don't take this the wrong way, but I think you're the most beautiful person I've ever met. You know, nobody's ever going to say that, are they? Don't take this the wrong way, but you are the most amusing person I've ever come across. And my brother is Alan Davis. Yes. It, well, exactly. Exactly. So that didn't. And I had two days there. I had two days of people actively resenting my presence to the point where they did not feel shy about telling me. And I had one woman who sat there all day going, are we done yet? Can we not go yet? Aren't we done yet? Oh, you said we could go now. And even though that I was on time and I, Dookie, it wasn't good. It w- it made me feel a little glum. Oh, dear. And I normally like my well, I'm not job. surprised. And then, uh, you know, we got to tell Sylph and the listeners, Dookie, about I need to have a winch. I'm not glum like you guys are, right? But I got to have a, uh, I got to whine about something that happened at that party the other night we went to, Dookie. Oh, yes. We went to a party in North London, which was to celebrate the recent engagement announcement of, of some mutual friends of ours, just to give some background. I have a feeling I know where you're going to go And, with and this. we were trying to jolly you up a little. And, and still, I'm just sorry you, you couldn't be there, but... Um, I need to ask something, uh, may, uh, Sylv and the listeners, and um, I, I need to ask where we stand on hand kissing, okay? Because I'm thinking, now this is just me, but I'm thinking that it's a misogynistic, paternal gesture of power and domination, and maybe there's listeners and you guys who think maybe that's being a little harsh. But this guy, he kissed my hand. And Dookie, you saw me. I was like, I had to get out the antibacterial hand gel all the way home, didn't I? You were talking about preparing yourself for the Silkwood shower later as well, all because of oh. a peck on the wrist. Is that why you were washing your hands all night long? I, I, I was, as soon as she came in, she ran straight to the kitchen sink and started scrubbing her hand. Yeah, that's... that. I mean, is that... Dookie, have you ever kissed a woman's hand? Only in an ironic, cheesy... 
pretending to be from another era kind of way and with somebody that I knew very well whereas this is somebody that you were just introduced to yeah like I wouldn't dream yeah. of doing that no so he was saying goodbye to this woman that I was chitting chatting with and then you know he he kind of looked at me and went I haven't met you but nice to meet you and I'm leaving now and he put out his hand for me to to shake his hand so I shook his hand right and then he and then he took my hand and he and he kissed it and it was sloppy wet and Ugh. You know, and it, you know, as soon as he did it, and then he and then he left, and I, and I wiped my hand on my coat, and then you you know sometimes when like you have a bug run across your hand or your foot or something, and you're a bit creepy about bugs, and you you can't get that, you know, the bug goes away, but you can't get that feel of it off of you, so mm. you just keep rubbing it and rubbing it because it's just creeped you out. I kept rubbing it e- even into the next morning. Because it just, why, you know, why do men do that? I don't understand why. Why do, I don't know. What do you think? Is it a paternalistic, misogynistic gesture of domination? Or or am I being a little heavy handed there? I think he fancied you, number one. Yeah, I don't know about that, dude. He went away. I don't know. He used a very anachronistic technique in order to show his appreciation of yourself how old was he well he wasn't like you know yeah okay so that's a question he wasn't like 94 he you was know, he over wasn't... over 30 less than 50 oh, did you see him did you see the guy with the hat it's a chap with the, the trilby isn't it yeah yeah he was wearing a, a straw what do you call it trilby what yeah he's wearing a straw one hmm. And I saw you guys chatting. It's interesting that I was able to deduct to deduct who was the man okay, that well, did that. Yeah. He looked like a sleazeball to you? Because he didn't seem sleazy when he first came up. He looked a little bit... Okay. A little bit sleazy, yes. So wh- how old was he? I don't know, 55? No, he was younger than that. I, okay. I'd say mid-40s. Oh, mid He's definitely less than 50. Okay, he's at a rough mid-40s. He looked like yeah, a bit lay, of a casualty. Hey, hey, Mr. Trilby, if you're listening, you might want to lay off the smokes. You I'd, know what I mean? I'd wage a huge amount of money. He's a, a recovering addict. Oh, really? Mm, he had oh. that vibe about him. Oh, I can't spot these things. Oh, did he? Yes. Oh, but he was pretty fat. I said recovery. <laughs> why, well, I don't know why I'm thinking that, you know, recovering addicts, you know, have to be like emaciated or something, but... Yeah, okay, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I could get a vibe of, you know, maybe, you know, he struggles with the booze about him. Is that what you're thinking? He also struggles with how to engage with people in a normal manner. Okay, so what what do you think? You think you think that that's, am I not, am I overreacting? Because I think maybe listeners might think, some listeners might think I'm overreacting. I think at first meeting to do that is uh, a bit weird, certainly in... In the UK in 2015, it feels like something that would not be out of place in the Georgian era at a ball. In yeah, if it which was 1760. People are being yeah. introduced to each other from well-to-do families and that this could be the start of an amazing union. But ultimately, at a pub in Kentish Town, North London... May 2015, to do the whole kiss on the wrist business. Mm, not I a fan. It, it's a little growth. It's a little growth, not just in terms of it was sloppy and you had to actually wipe your hand on your coat, but it's just a little growth in terms of, 
Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's, you know, not to be hyper-feminist about it, because, you know, I don't mind men opening the doors for me or whatever, but it's just, it's just like putting you in your place. You know, like you're a woman, and he doesn't see you as, as being, you know... He's only seeing your gender in a way. He wouldn't do that with a man. I guess that's the thing. He wouldn't do that with a man, would he? No, although... Whereas a man would hold a door open maybe for another man, hopefully in this day and age. Yes. I will say that I do know of a man who has been known to kiss my own wrist, and that's Ben Wood from Ben Wood and the Bad Ideas, who was also a guest on the show. He has a little bit of a thing with me in which he will do that. Is he drunk when he does that? Not always. He's quite an affectionate guy. And then sometimes we'll be having a a handshake. We'll have a handshake moving its way into a hug. Then the hands will still be holding each other. And then he will part with a on my wrist. Oh, that's very lovely. Okay, so that's okay. that's lovely. It is very, very nice. And also, I know Ben very, very well. And we've been through good and bad times together. But that's different. And also, okay, people, uh, uh, okay, yes. listen up, men. If if you're not Ben Wood, don't kiss women's hands. And if you kiss women's hands, make sure you kiss men's hands as well, because otherwise, it's not good. It, you know, it's just not good. Because you're right. So there's a gender thing there, and if you're not going to do it with everyone, don't do it just for the women. That's you know. I remember the first time that I played in Italy and I had an Italian pickup band, for want of a much better phrase. And as a result, I was in a suburb of Rome for the better part of a week before the gig. It was an engagement at a festival there. And the one thing I hadn't realised, and I'd been to Italy a number of times as a kid with my family as a tourist there but the one thing i hadn't realized until that visit is that men also do the double kiss cheek to cheek with other men there okay see so that's so that's okay yeah i just think if if you're gonna do it with one gender that do it with the other gender absolutely yes or any gender Mm. you know however people identify with their gender so yes if you're gonna do it with one then do it with the other but it sounds as though this man was only doing with, with our dear Martha. Mr. Recovering Addict Trilby Wearer was most definitely not of Italian extraction. This guy was yeah. London through and through. Yeah, no. Not that you can't be London through and through and not have an Italian family, but this this, this particular guy, behavior it wasn't did, a cultural did not thing. Se- no, it wasn't. Can we also talk about what was the deal with the later hosen? Yes. Can I just add one other thing? Yeah. At the Dookie Radio Show, we love recovering addicts. Indeed, all three of us in this room, in our own way, probably are. Dookie, I work with recovering <laughs> addicts, so I can, you know, attest to. Some of the people who said that they were resenting my actual presence actually were recovering addicts. Right. So they they were nice people, but they just really didn't want me there. Bless. I'm really... Sorry, did they were very nice people in and of themselves, but just in a group, they really, really didn't want to be there, so they were actively resenting. But on the final day of training, did you have that Dead Poet Society moment when all of them got up on their respective chairs and did the whole? Well, Dookie, in an ideal world, I had a woman, okay, so no, but I did have a woman who was really, 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 really rude to me on the first morning. To the point where I nearly cried. 
So I, I was standing there after she had had a go at me for something that was really, really not a big deal. And and I was just trying not to cry. And then she turned. And then uh, so I was thinking, what am I going to do about this? She's being so rude. And she turned out to be really, really nice. She was like worried about where I was going to sleep that night and whether I had enough to eat. Like she became like my mom. So does that count? Absolutely. That is the your particular occupation equivalent of that fantastic dead Poet Society. Yes, that's like a complete turnaround. Moment. A complete. I think maybe the show could, but we could do a whole show about complete turnarounds, Dookie. Because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Because there's a lot of people in the, like, especially in the comedy world and in the acting world and in the theater world that I used to, like, love so much that I wanted them to actually be my family members to the point where I've had such a turnaround in my feelings about them that I just, I can't even bear the sight of them anymore. But what's better is that I've had turnarounds in other ways. Like, people I used to really, really not like very much at all, I now love to the point of just craziness. So you're open-minded and you respect the fact that just as the tides change, so do the personality attributes yes, of like Sue Perkins. the general public and I used, I used to have a big problem with Sue Perkins because I just thought that there was, I saw a documentary which maybe wasn't a good fit for her, this particular documentary. And it just, it you know, I just think that she wasn't being very serious about this particular documentary that I was really interested in. Anyway, that's really boring. But now, I love her. Is it all due to Celebrity Bake Off? Well, it's partly or, to do with Bake Off. Or the Great British Bake Off. The Great British Bake Off. I just think she's fabulous. And she's so funny. And I know you love her. And I have a really good friend who, who loves her as well. And I respect your opinions. So that's been really good. That I used to really have negative feelings about her. And they... Uh, Sue, if you listen to this, I will adopt you as my sister. And I'm sorry that I got you so wrong. Sue Perkins absolutely rocks. And rocks. as does her sometime partner in crime, Mel. I'm if, a very, very big fan. If you don't know Sue Perkins, because you might be listening to this in a country where Sue Perkins isn't as famous as she is here, tune into BBC America if you're in the States and watch a Great British Bake Off. And she's the, the one of a, of a slim build with very, very dark, short, dark hair. And uh, she wears glasses, doesn't she? She's she does very indeed. wonderful and she's very funny. So that's a whole turnaround. A back, whole complete turnaround. Back to the party. Yeah, what was chap- the deal? Yeah. There was this guy there. Right? Wearing lederhosen. Yeah, we walked in, right? And there's this, you know, everybody's there and it's a party and people are, you know, some people have kind of dressed up and some people are kind of more casual. And there's this guy where decked out in the whole German dealio. And depending upon when you're listening to this, I need to stress that it is not October. This party was not in Bavaria. It was not in Germany, but in North London, in Kentish Town. Is he German? No. He's not German? No. A British chap, as far as I know, grew up in Chalk Farm, North London. He may have spent some time in Germany. He may have a German partner. I don't know. But British, not Teutonic. The thing that was great about it, though, was that you would think, you know, if it was me and it was like, you know, like a a dressing up party. What do you call it here? Fancy dress. Fancy dress party. Is that what you call it? Yeah. 
I can't remember what Americans call it. Um, you know, if you're, you know, for me, I would just find like the, the shorty short pants that he, the trousers that he was wearing. I would just do that. Right. But this guy went whole hog. So from the top of his head to his shoes was completely the whole German kit and caboodle. You get me? So the hat, he had the big round hat, right? And then down to the German little white shirt. And then you keep going down and you get, you know, you get the shorty pants. And then he had the slouchy socks with the real honest to God German shoes. You know, he didn't do it by halves, did he? he? He was like the real deal. He was the embodiment of of Oktoberfest was he in holding, May. Was he holding flagons of beer? That I didn't notice, but to try to get uh, flagons or a stein of beer in, in North London is a bit tricky in a normal but British pub. The thing was, that's a good question because he wasn't doing anything you know he wasn't serving beer he wasn't dancing he he was just standing there also the couple who were celebrating their engagement have no links to germany whatsoever at first i thought oh maybe this couple met or consummated their relationship on a trip to germany maybe they met in berlin perhaps it was on a ski slope somewhere in in the alps or something but no no it uh the thing about it is the thing that would make me wonder well what i'm wondering now is how did he get there and how did he get home? Because you know what I mean? If you're in some kind of costume type thing, to be on the... Like if you're going to a party, a, dress, a fancy dress party, and there's a bunch of you, or and or it's like Halloween, and you're all dressed up, and, that, and you're on the tube, then, you know, who cares? But was he wearing this, and he was on the tube going to his party? Because that's a very bold and a very audacious move, and I respect him for that. Good question. He seemed to be the type of person that simply wouldn't care in his own way and yeah, perhaps in his like own that, mind. Yeah. You don't care. It, I wish I could be more like that. Because yes. I would, yeah, I'm with Sylv. I would care. I would care. But he, he, yeah, you're right. I don't think he didn't care. I mean, it's it may be Camden High Street to us. To him, it was Camden Strasse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that did that brighten up your mood at all, Dookie? That party? The party actually did. Yes. Okay. Okay. So just yeah, just checking. You know, it seemed like you know there's nice people there. It was Sylv. How come you didn't come with us? Well, this kind of spills over into scintillating situations. Ooh. It does spill over into scintillating. Were situations. you doing scintillating things elsewhere while? No. Marsha was getting her wrist salivated and ooh. all that. No, but ooh. And yeah. I wasn't. Now, I'm not really a party type girl. I, I have a friend who never ceases to remind me of how much of an introvert I am. And he is very, very right. So I was at home on a Saturday night reading. Right. So, but Dookie, this leads into scintillating situations because I was reading a very, very good book that I just could not put down. And 
you need and it's being made into a series for the BBC. So that's why it's scintillating situations because it's coming up and everybody needs to watch it because it's amazing. And it has somebody that you know in it. Tell me more. Well, don't you know your man that's in it who used to be Dennis Pennis? Oh, Paul Kay. Yes. yes. And then he made a big splash in the West End as in Matilda. Yes. And he's going to be in this show. And it's called Jonathan Strange and Dr. Norell. And it's it's like Harry Potter for grown-ups. So even if you don't like magic type stuff, it is, you know, that isn't a genre that I'm normally into, but it is really amazing. And it's a very good escapist fare, particularly if you're feeling a bit glum. When will it be hitting our screens? That's the thing that the BBC are just trailing it constantly, but they're, you know, they're, they're teasing us because they're not actually saying, they just keep saying coming soon. So I'm hoping it's going to be sometime this month in May. And if you're in another country, you need to you need to see this because it, it from the trailers it does look amazing. Can we also talk about something that we did that's not glum at all? Dookie, Mexrisi, oh my word, how amazing yes. are they? Dookie, if, and I know that people all over the world will be able to see them because I do believe that they're touring. You are in for an absolute treat. About seven months or so ago, I saw Mexrisi being advertised as an event taking place at the Barbican. And there wasn't much to find out about because it was all vague the info online was a little bit vague but they had me at mariachi plus morrissey mexico plus manchester equals mexrisi basically what at the time i thought was just going to be a mexican mariachi band doing songs from the smiths and morrissey's solo back catalogue was enough for me So I got tickets for the three of us. And to be fair, I would have been happy for something sedate and something that would sound like it comes from rural Mexico churning out songs that are decidedly familiar from the Mancunian crooning legend. But it was much much better than I could have imagined. Yeah, I thought it was going to suck. And I thought it was going to be one joke that might not be so funny anymore. Yeah. Ooh, did you see what yeah. I did there? Yeah. My word, it was fantastic. It, it was, it had elements of mariachi in it, but it also had electric guitars in places. It had trumpets. It had keyboards, dance elements. I like the visuals. The visuals were fantastic. Because, you know, when you have visuals that are behind the stage and, you know, you think that it's just going to be magnified what's going on in stage. But it wasn't. It was the guy who directed it. He was obviously in charge of the visuals. And he was amazing. Like, you get like a tumbleweed going through both London and Mexico City. And, you know, it's just that doesn't sound very interesting the way I'm describing it, but the visuals were just so amazing. And he was really funny as well. And so between songs, he was really funny. And they all could sing in alternated vocals. All of the Smiths and Mozart songs were sung in Spanish. 
So in a way, even when you were hearing familiar songs done with different arrangements, you wanted to listen out for those anchor words. So instead of hang the DJ, hang the DJ, hang the DJ, it was... Quayla DJ, Quayla DJ, Quayla DJ. I looked that up, Dookie, and it's not necessarily a direct and accurate uh, translation. Be- I think it, it, it's because the the guy who set this whole thing up, the funny one on stage, he actually said, isn't it, it's very difficult to translate. I mean, Morrissey's lyrics in terms of how he sets the scene are, are very, very unique to the Mancunian legend. And Yeah, I don't envy somebody trying to translate all that. I mean in many in many crap. ways yeah, in many ways it's challenging for native English speakers to work out where Moser is coming from lyrically and what he's trying to paint. I mean he doesn't necessarily even write in the first person or the second person or from one gender. He really one of the things that's great about Morrissey is he creates his own world. And to Number one, be involved in spearheading a Mexican interpretation of this instrumentally, let alone being able to make those lyrics work in Spanish and to do it so that the melodies flow, not an easy task at all. I really liked uh, it. You know, the guy was really funny and, you know, he did say... uh... He said, you probably only think of kidnappings when you think of Mexico City. And I was thinking, well, yeah, that I don't think about kidnappings. I think of, you know, rampant obesity and uh, illegal pharmaceuticals. So, you know, it's all good. Did you know that Mexico is now the fattest country on Earth? Did we mention this the other week? I think we may have, yes. Yeah, okay, so by like 0.1%. They're, they're the fattest country on earth. But, you know, that they're, they're churning out some good... You know, if anybody can make me like Morrissey, I respect him because uh, I'm not your Morrissey kind of gal. Sylvia, you are a Morrissey fan, I and it was quite a, an emotional so. experience, it genuinely. It was very amazing, and I can only say that to get a group of... Uh, to get an audience full of Londoners up dancing, you really do have to give blood. And th- these guys managed to do it. They took a lot of work. You know, they kept encouraging everyone to get up and dance and they kept you know and they kept at it and by the end everybody was up dancing and just having a marvelous time so i just have to say if mexico uh, mexrecy are coming near you you really must go see them and you must look them up on the net because you need to see whether they're coming to a city near you because it's just a good time like martha's saying you don't even have to like Morrissey. You don't have to like Morrissey at all to to just enjoy them. And they're funny and they're, they, they really cheered us up, didn't they, Dookie? Absolutely. I think we were smiling from ear to ear we from the first mariachi horn sound all the way to the, the final track. It was absolutely brilliant. And I love that. I love that venue, the Barbican. If you're in London you and you haven't been to the Barbican, then, or even if you're not in London and you're coming to London, it's a really, it's like a 1960s bunker. But it's really fabulous, isn't it? And we were four rows back And we were four well. rows back. And I'll tell you what, Dookie, next month, I'm telling you what. Ah, God, here she goes. Dookie, I, Martha knows this, and Martha won't come with me, and I don't think you'll come with me either, Dookie, but I'm going to Beckett season. 
you're feeling glum, yes? Oh, Dookie. So you're going to combat this. Yeah, that's what I'm telling her. She's going, she booked three, three shows the other night. She's sitting there like, you know, contemplating the antidepressants and she's booking, she, uh, Dookie, do you get it? Have you seen any Beckett? Yes, waiting for Godot. Okay, did it cheer you up? No. Because from what, you know, I don't know it at all, but, you know, from what I from what I understand, the guy wasn't a happy guy. You know, he wasn't writing happy stuff. We're not talking Disney on Ice here, are we? I was super impressed with that particular production. All but right. Cheery is not a word that I would use. Not that entertainment needs to be, but if you're feeling glum, taking in Dookie. a trio of Beckett... Oh, well, one of them is actually a trio. And I actually saw it last year in Cambridge. And I'm not, it was really scary. You have to sit in pitch blackness. So it's a trilogy of like really short one one woman plays. And in between, they turn off all of the lights. And I am talking the fire exit signs and everything. And I'm not normally one for claustrophobia or anything like that. But I was actually sitting there. I nearly had to grab the woman who was sitting next to me because I was starting to think this, you know, like when it's so dark, you feel like you're drowning in darkness. It was kind of like that. And I'm going to see that again. And I have no idea why. I don't know why I like it because I didn't understand any of it. Perhaps it resonates with your dark inner soul. Maybe. I don't know. And then I'm going to see something called Crap's Last Tape. Crap last tape and that's supposed to be it's a very famous Beckett I don't know why I'm going to say it yeah see that's what I mean you need to go see you need to go see something like what's that Disney thing that all the little girls are talking about what is that Frozen and all the little girl we you know maybe we should go see that or you don't want to go see you don't want to go see this guy you don't want to see this Beckett guy you don't he doesn't sound like a cheery guy is he dead is is he dead? Yes, he is very much. I think he's been dead for some considerable time. Well, maybe you know, maybe that's good because he sounds like he wasn't enjoying life. You know, I, I know, I know. But I just it does excite me for some reason, and I don't know why. I really don't know why. Dookie, did you watch that thing last night, The Enfield Haunting? Yes, I did. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, so our, 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 our Sylv was crapping herself. I really, I'm a big Timothy Spall fan. The rest of the cast are absolutely amazing. And being a fan of those 1970s horror flicks, be it The Exorcist, be it Halloween, be it Friday the 13th, be it the Amityville horror. I have to say that this pretty shit British facsimile yeah. of that absolutely brilliant. The so, thing that scared me is that it's based on a real story. Yes, yes. And the consultants for this actual production were people who worked in 1977 yeah, don't. at this actual house. No, you're going to get her. You know, I don't. In Enfield, North London, which is. <laughs> A part of the world that I visit quite regularly now at a rehearsal studio up there. So, well, see, yes. Marcia doesn't remember this, but do you remember Poltergeist 2? I know that I've seen the films. They blur into one another. The really, one... apart from that line, they're here. Yeah, I don't no, remember much. So, let, so, Poltergeist 2 is the one with the old man. Do you oh, remember? Oh, I have look, a vague no, so, recollection. So look, no, look, I've just... 
I've brought it up. Look, Sylvia look, is brandishing look, look, her look, iPhone look, and is showing me a that? photo. So picture of old man and poltergeist. Oh, fuck me. That guy gave me nightmares. Oh, yeah, I dookie. do remember that chap. Oh, yeah, he yeah. looks Yeah, he looks like he's just been exhumed. I mean, his He looks like a recovering addict. What does that say? Uh, what 1986. So presumably he's actually dead now cuz he's looking pretty bad there. You know, I want to say that I hope he's no longer with us. And A, I know that's a really horrible thing to say. And B, I also don't want to say it because I'm worried that he's going to come back and haunt me. Sylvia, you you are aware that he's an actor. He He was playing a role. Yeah, but Dookie. uh, See, even when we're talking about it, the hairs on the back of my neck are good. She's such a weenie. this, This woman is such a weenie, Dookie, that she... Tell him about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Okay, so thank you for embarrassing me. Dookie, did you see Nightmare on Elm Street? Yes. Okay, so I went to see that with two of my friends at the time. And when we were driving home, my friend was driving and our other friend was sitting in the back seat. And he in the back seat, he kept like putting his foot up under my feet so I could feel like this little jiggling under my feet. And I, I nearly had to get up, get out of the car and throw up. And then so I went home. And my parents and everybody was already asleep and everything. I guess I was like 16 or something. And I stayed up all night looking at my closet because my closet door was closed. And I was convinced that Freddy Krueger was in there and he was going to kill me. But I was too scared to get up and look. So like the little girl in the movie last night, the Enfield haunting, she was so brave because she just kept getting up and looking. Like if there was a noise in her or her closet or her wardrobe, she'd just get up and look. And she was like 10 and then, and it would be all creepy. And she just kept getting up and just, well, I'll just go have a look. Whereas when I was like 16 and I was thinking there's no way, because if I get out of this bed, I'm going to get killed in a horrible way. And that's how big of a weenie I am. North Londoners are just made of different stuff. And so the Enfield haunting, the reason I mentioned the old man is because there's an old man in it and he's just like the poltergeist too. And I swear to God, even all these years later, as an adult woman, he still creeps me out. And I just can't watch. I just can't watch certain things. Like, I used to be with this guy, and his mom was really cool. And, you know, we'd all sit down to watch movies together. And she would actually say things like, I don't think this is a Sylvia movie. And and I knew then that it was it would have something vaguely dark and creepy to it that would just keep me up a night after night after night. So why I watched the Enfield Haunting last night is well, Marcia taught me into it, but it was really good. So I don't know. I seem to like things that just are just not good for me. You like to test yourself, possibly. Yeah, that's why challenge. she's going to see. Beckett, while the woman is in such a glum state lately that all she's doing is eating donuts. I am eating a lot of donuts. (laughs) By the way, for those people who are not in the know, the Enfield Haunting is on Sky Living, and it only started this week, which is the first week of May 2015. So I I do have to apologise. So, you know, these scintillating situations that I've got this week are really not very scintillating unless you're a person who... And, you know, maybe it is very scintillating for us people who aren't party party types to read books and watch things that are on telly. And I, you know, and there's, I think there's a time and a place for that. If you like to party, 
I am playing in so many bands this month that it's not even funny. Yeah, Dookie, you're a slut. What I'm did that woman call you? She's a sl- she said you're a slapper. A mu- uh, you're a uh, bass playing slapper. And she wasn't at all off her trolley. No. We were with a friend that night who has a very, very high tolerance for people who are a little cuckoo in cuckoo land. And even she said that woman's cuckoo in cuckoo land. The woman we're talking about, Lydia Fisher, who... You may know as the sax player for Lena Lovitch, but also is the lead singer and bass player in The Galactics, who are genuinely a really brilliant band. She is a French import here to North London. She has a collie called Lolly. Yes. So that's why we love her. Yes, we. She's a little bit a bonkers. A little cuckoo from, I think, by her own admission. But if you have a colleague called Lolly, you're wonderful in my book. And Dookie, you are a slut. And where are you playing? You're playing Friday night I'm with playing, the lovely Moxie. Yes, I'm playing on Friday night with Ms. Moxie. Ms. Moxie, who's wonderful. The Twelve Bar. The following Friday, on the fifteenth of May, I am playing with a metal band called Repair to Ruin at the Underworld in Camden Town, London. On the 22nd of May, I am playing at Nambuka with Ms. Moxie. Two days later, I am playing with Top Buzzer at the Unicorn, as well as singing lead vocals for We Buy Gold as part of their send-off. And then on the 29th of May, I am playing... Bass with Coordinated featuring De Barbarossa and Eva. And the lovely Eva, who dresses like your dog. And the... In black and white. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And then about two weeks later, I am returning to the 12 bar with Ben Wood and the Bad Ideas. He's doing some foot drums. And there's there'll be another Coordinated gig that week. Actually, yes, the 11th of June at... Nambuka coordinated will be playing. So, yes, there's a hell of a lot of gigabytes happening. You're a slut. You know, I'll I'll go see all of them. And, it, you know, Moxie and I, we need to chit-chat because, you know, I just love a woman who, when you meet her, you know, you're automatically talking about vaginas. So, and, I, yeah. So it's kind of odds and ends this week, but I don't know. Is it, are you guys cheered up at all, or, or what's the dealio? I'm I, feeling slightly cheerier. I'm feeling slightly better. Feeling slightly cheerier. Do you know what might make things just that little bit more cheery? Oh, you're not going to kiss my hand now, are you? Oh, sorry. Yeah, because as much as I like you, Dookie, that's, it's not going to happen. How about if I wear some lederhosen? That might do it for me. What's this? Are you troubled by spots, blemishes and flaky skin? Well, download the Dookie Radio Show every Monday and your skin will be looking clear, radiant and luscious in no time. The Dookie Radio Show, your key to beautiful skin. Oh, hello, darling. Has anybody told you that you've got beautiful skin? Yes, all the time. Yeah, this 
talking about uh, this party you and I went to the other night where there were uh, hand kissers and later hosen wearers. And there are a lot of other interesting people there kind of yucking it up. Uh, and uh, there was this woman there who I like. Uh, she's pretty cool. Uh, she was kind of we, her and I were chitting, chatting, and I really liked her. And and she was dressed kind of like Amelia Earhart. I don't know why that should matter, but she looked really cool and. She and I were chitting chatting, as I say, and then she was chitting chatting to somebody else for a while, and what I overheard her say was, uh, I like him, but I don't need to be any part of his ring piece. Shaming in your face. But I'm thinking of freezing me eggs now, ain't I? Ah, Jesus, my hemorrhoids hurt. Let's see what Slutty Sue is doing in her house. In her house. Let's see what Slutty Sue is doing in her house. In her house. Are you done with those mugs? To a mere pedestrian or uninitiated local, Penge may appear to be an unremarkable suburb of London. Neither city nor country, neither posh nor destitute. But in this quiet enclave in the southeastern quarter of our nation's capital is an Art Deco semi-detached house owned and occupied by a North American transplant to Blighty named Slutty Sue. She likes to clean. I popped into Slutty Sue's pristine abode and asked, Slutty Sue, what have you been up to? I had to ask my neighbour if I could borrow his printer. Because mine broke when I spilled cleaning fluid all over it. He was happy to let me use his. And it was all coming out nicely in thick, clean, white sheets. Until suddenly there was a jam. So I had to open it up to see what happened. And the toner exploded and everything got absolutely filthy. So today I've mostly been polishing my neighbor's dirty cartridge. Shut it down! Well, that's your lot. This particular instalment of the Dookie Radio Show is dedicated to Pat Dolan and Craig Bresnan. The world is a much duller place without you both. 
You've been listening to Sigh of the Times. My name is Dukey and I've been your host. May the worst of tomorrow be the best of yesterday. Now it's time for me to go and uh, <clears throat> pop my weasel. Thanks for listening. Half a pound of tuppenny rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel.